Welcome back to When Fear Reigns. Today, Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben examine how prophecy plays into Scripture, and they contrast the difference between biblical and non-biblical prophets, such as Nostradamus. Welcome to episode 27 of When Fear Reigns. We're looking at Nostradamus and Art of Their Prophets. I'm Ben Workentin, uh, here with John Parlow. We're glad to have you join us. We truly feel honored to be able to share. 27 already, huh? 27. Look that's at that. Half, it's a whole year. It's We're pretty much a whole year. We're coming up on our year. anniversary, aren't we? Yeah, something like that. I think it's coming up pretty soon. We'll have to make a What are we going to get, Anthony? we got to get something from Anthony. Maybe a t-shirt. Maybe he a likes t-shirt. those t-shirts. I hear you like bourbon. You know, we'll see what we, we can scrounge up. You? We can get you puzzles. We hear that you oh, love puzzles. We don't need to go there. I've got plenty of them at home. We're we'll taking get, a look. We'll get you the ones you can do. Anthony, don't you have a daughter? Can you give her... Give him one of the puzzles, the one with 10. Hey, that one I could do. The 10 little, you could pu- do. little wood pieces you take out. You can even chew on them. I like the animals best. <laughs> We're looking at the idea of prophecy today, and uh, Dr. John Parlow is here to be our Virgil through the complex oh, thoughts of uh, Nostradamus and other prophets. Thanks Holy for walking God. us through the ideas okay. of of uh, that we were going to be looking at today. But before you help us understand where Nostradamus is coming from, got any premonitions, any predictions on who's going to win the World Series this year? Well, I've got to say that I would love the Milwaukee Brewers to do so. Okay, but, I think you're probably in but good here, company here's there. The thing. That's one of the sports I probably don't follow a lot. You know, I played baseball all growing up in California and actually was was pretty talented in a sense. Others said that. I didn't say that. Others said that. I could throw, even in high school, I could throw fast and throw well, uh, throw hard. I could, uh, I can field good hand-eye coordination, and I could hit really well, except if anybody put a spin on the ball. If the oh. ball moved anyway, I was, <laughs> I was whiffing everything. So if it was a fast one, I was ambidextrous. I, I bat okay. both, both okay. ways. But I, I, if you, if you fastballs or even change-ups, if I just make sure I time it right, yeah. I hit them all day long. You put a curveball in there, I'm diving out of the batter's box <laughs> or a slider, I'm whiffing. So instead of Virgil, we're calling you Casey at the bat. Uh, is no, what we're I, would, I would be terrible. <laughs> I was terrible. So I went, okay, it's a spring sport. I guess I'll run track. And I chose the shortest race possible, the 110-yard middle, uh, hurdles. 110, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> 100-yard dash. Uh, no, that was 100-yard. No, no, we had hurdles. They were hurdles. <laughs> and you had to get over 10 of them yeah. just to reach the line. So you didn't have to be fast, you just had to be tall. There you go. All right, let's get into it. One of the pieces of evidence that people commonly cite for the divine nature of the Bible is its system of prophecy and fulfillment. Can you define prophecy for us as we're talking about it today um, and give us a scope of how important prophecy is in the Bible? Well, again, we would say there's a there's a broad view of prophecy and a narrow okay. uh, definition of bra- prophecy. Broad prophecy, and you see this in 1 Corinthians 12 and um, Romans chapter 12 when God talks about the different gifts, some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Oh, sure. Yeah. Jesus followers. Prophecy in general means to stand up and proclaim on behalf of the Lord or proclaim the Lord's word. Okay. Now, certainly with the Old Testament prophets and the apostles, they were speaking directly from God. They were mm-hmm. inspired in that mm-hmm. sense that God was choosing even their own vocabularies, but he's choosing the words to communicate sure. his saving message to the world. Sometimes when God did that, he gave them future events to mm-hmm. proclaim. Okay. Maybe we'd say that's prophecy in the narrow sense. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here um, when it comes to uh, some of the things that make the Bible and the people through whom God wrote it different than people who are going to be claimed to be uh, psychics, Okay, whether that's ancient ones like Nostradamus yeah. or yeah. ones when I grew up, there was this one named Dixon, this woman named Dixon, and there's been other people yeah. in the 80s yeah. and 90s too making all sorts of, of prophecies that 
Yeah. Didn't come true. The New Jersey medium or whatever her name is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On TV. That's a whole nother podcast. So with that definition of prophecy in mind, help us understand its role in the scriptures. The Bible is the only holy book, if you want to give it that categorization, where it is supernaturally shown to be the very word of God. Another, a lot of other books claim that, but only the Bible gives us that supernatural evidence. I, now, ultimately, I would say it's by faith alone that we believe sure. that the Bible is yeah. God's word. Yeah. Prophecy, as we're going to talk about now and I'll kind of expand on, is just one of those stones you can encourage other people to turn over as they're looking to know more about Christianity. Mm. I'll give you an example. Only the Bible, as I said, really has been supernaturally confirmed by signs and wonders. Um, I, I think of the the ministry of Moses, you maybe think of Numbers chapter 16 or Elijah, First uh, Kings chapter 18, mm-hmm. where God gave them the ability to do signs and wonders so that people would know, oh, these guys are speaking from God. Maybe we should listen to their message, right? Mm-hmm. That was the idea. Or you have um, in the New Testament, Nicodemus was sure that Jesus was the Son of God in the flesh because of the signs, wonders, and miracles that mm-hmm. he did among the people. You see that in John chapter 3 and Luke chapter 7. Even Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 talks about that. It said, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and miraculous or various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And certainly Paul proved his apostleship by affirming this in Second Corinthians 12, 12. I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. The Bible also really shows itself to be supernatural in its ability to make clear and repeated predictions. And that's really what we're talking about, about distant future. Again, that would be mm-hmm. that would be prophecy in the narrow sense. The Old Testament has more than 200 prophecies about Jesus. Some would mm-hmm. say over 300, depending on how you, count. how you count, that were fulfilled in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Yeah. Here's just a small sampling. Yeah, I'll just give, give us some ideas. Yeah. He's born of a woman. He's born in the line of Abraham through the tribe of Judah, as the son of David, a descendant of David, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, suffered and died for our sins, and then rose from the dead. Now, even critics will admit that all these prophecies were given at least 200 years uh, before, if not Mm -hmm. several hundred years before. So that eliminates any guessing or reading of the trends of the times. Further, these prophecies, as we will mention and have mentioned, are detailed. They're specific. So that's the key. If you're talking about prophecies, you're talking about something that's in the future about a specific event. Mm -hmm. And that really makes the Bible different than every other so-called holy book or holy man or woman who says they have the gift of prophecy. Yeah. And I think of the prophecy in Jesus, about Jesus, and just how... Every major event in his life, every major milestone has Old Testament prophecy, hundreds if not a thousand. I think of David writing, you know, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see the connection between the cross, the uh, hanging on a tree, the the punishment that that is, the curse that it is from God, and and now God brings that to bear when it comes to Jesus. Um, For someone who wants to understand Jesus better, what would you say to them is, is a reason why it's so important to understand those prophecies and to dig in those prophecies and spend time understanding those and seeing how they're fulfilled by Jesus. Because it tells you who he really is. If you understand that you you have this need for a savior and he claims to be that savior, Mm -hmm. as we talked about in a previous podcast, Mm -hmm. then you want to know, okay, 
What's proof of that? Give me some detailed proof that here's the Savior who comes and fulfills all of these prophecies. And one of them is going to pay for your sins. He's going to rise from the dead so that he conquers sin, death, and Satan for you. It all has to do with your eternal life. And that's why I always tell people who are skeptical or maybe have no memory of the gospel, never raised in the church, listen, great. Let me give you some things to take a look at why this book, the Bible, that's why it's the very first thing we talk about in our adult classes if this isn't just a book, it is the book. Yeah. And one of the things that tells you it's different and supernatural are these fulfilled prophecies. And so you walk through and you say, okay, who's this talking about? And what you see from the very beginning is God's going to send, he makes that first promise, I'm going to send the head crusher, Genesis mm-hmm. chapter 3, the head crusher. Oh, Satan will strike his heel, but he's going to crush his head. Yeah. And he's going to bring a savior. And through the Old Testament and the prophecies, you get more and more details. It's like mm-hmm. pulling back that curtain mm-hmm. or getting a greater focus on a fuzzy picture mm-hmm. or a fuzzy view. And then by the end, you have John the Baptist saying, behold, there he is. Yeah. All those prophecies yeah. you talked about, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, going to be crucified long before crucifixion was invented, you know, or, mm-hmm. or at least uh, made famous by the Phoenicians and others. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's important. It has to do with our eternal being. It has to do with if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, then look at the Old Testament and see. It said a Savior's coming, a Messiah, a Christ. What did it say he was supposed to be like? What was he supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And you see those prophecies all line up and reach their fulfillment in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So it has everything to do with mm-hmm. you, your eternal security. When you lay your bed, or lay your head on the pillow at night in your bed, it's nice to know that the one who was talked about in all the Old Testament mm-hmm. has come mm-hmm. and has ascended to heaven, making a place ready for you and other believers. Man, and you see that throughout the scriptures too. Jesus rises from the dead. Among his first interactions is with disciples on the way to the Emmaus, right? And they're asking questions about Jesus dying and rising. And the scriptures say, beginning with Moses and the prophets, it goes right back to the Old Testament. Goes to those prophecies. I think about uh, we talked about we talked about I think in podcast number twenty six, Peter standing up in Acts chapter two and telling people he takes them back to Joel and he takes them back to the prophets. I think of um, uh, why am I blanking on his name with uh, the Ethiopian. Philip. Um, and Philip in the Ethiopian is at Acts 9 or whatever it is. And he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, who's this man talking about himself or someone else? And Philip begins with the, the prophecies of Isaiah and lays out why this is the evidence that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these prophecies. The early church was dependent on those prophecies and really understood them to be proof that Jesus is who he says he was. So, so someone might say uh, that and this is what we want to talk about today is not just biblical prophecy, but prophecy in general, that others have prophesied to really important and specific things. People will point to Nostradamus. I remember around 9-11, people were talking about Nostradamus predicted this would happen. So what's the big deal with biblical prophecy if it's more or less a parlor trick that can be conjured up by anybody with sufficient skill and luck? Well, I don't agree with the premise on the end there. It's biblical prophecy isn't like a parlor trick. We just talked a little about that. Um, but Nostradamus, talked a lot about, because you're right, you, you were still in grade school at 9-11, weren't you? I was just in the high school. Anthony, were you born? I was in seventh grade. Oh, you're in seventh grade. <laughs> okay. But you probably have a Nostradamus shirt knowing you. Uh, but here, here's the thing. You know, it's interesting. A, a study of all the top uh, 
psychics. And when I grew up in LA, man, they were all over the place. The Jean Dixon was one of them. She was all over the place. Shows. That's because there was biblical prophets that were still alive uh, back then. Back when I was here. That's really bad. Listen, yes, it was before disco. Actually, it was before everything, before color TV. I know Ezekiel didn't live in Los Angeles. Okay, all right. But anyways, a guy like Norm Geisler did a a study, found out that 92% of the time, those so-called top psychics are are wrong. Now, if you watch the History Channel, and you see that from time to time now, you see Nostradamus is always talking about, who allegedly could predict the future. Uh, Now, that could not be further from the truth. Uh, Again, just digging it for yourself. First of all, he had all all these false prophecies, one after another after another. One of the clear signs of a false prophet is that they continue to make false prophecies. It's not a big logical jump there. (laughs) If Nostradamus predictions are taken literally, then why did so many of them fail? And so many of them could certainly, they, were, they, they could be fulfilled in many different ways and referred to many different things. Secondly, he's got very vague predictions. Hmm. The vast majority of, of Nostradamus's prognost, prognostications, there you go. boy, that's a tough word, <laughs> uh, are, are so vague and so um, ambiguous that you're really not sure what they mean or how they could be fulfilled. Consider this one. The Sith by the pond in conjunction with Sagittarius at the high point of its ascendance. Disease? Famine, death by soldiery, the century, or slash age, draws near to its renewal. That's century one, verse six. The interpretations <laughs> of that are legion, and yet oh, that's something clear. will yeah. happen and someone will go, oh, see, that's 9-11. Yeah. Or yeah. see, that's Donald Trump yeah. and the orange yeah. hair, right? Or whatever that is. Third, his predictions are understood only after the fact. Even Nostradamus himself acknowledged that his predictions were written in such a manner that, quote, here's what he said, they could not possibly be understood until they are interpreted after the event and by the event itself, mm-hmm. end quote. But there is nothing miraculous about reading a fulfillment back into a prophecy that could not be clearly seen there before the alleged fulfillment. Yeah, so yeah. it kind of kills me. The fourth one is simply this, and he was like many in that time, they would dabble in the occult, hmm. and they wanted to kind of tap into some demonic sources. So there's a lot of things not going well mm-hmm. for Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Now, the History Channel loves him because that's people love. They're just mesmerized by some of that, titillated yeah. by that. But he's not anywhere close to like the prophet of God mm-hmm. at all. And, you know, they say we, he, he predicted the great earthquake in California. He predicted the uh, war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Boy, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at those predictions, you go, well, that also could have been the fact that the stock market went down, or that could yeah. have been the yeah. fact that toilet There's papers, toilet ways papers to on sale at Walmart. Yeah. 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 I always go back to this. There's, there's a biblical test that I've often used and shared with people for a false prophet. And it's just really five passages that I'll give our okay. listeners that they yeah. can share too. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1, and, 1 through 3, 1, 2, and 3, uh, even if a person performs miracles, God says to his Old Testament people, and, and false prophets can perform miracles. Mm-hmm. Demons can perform miracles. They're limited. They're like a copy machine with yeah, limited yeah, features. Yeah. They can't be what God is because they're not all powerful. But even if they perform miracles, if their message doesn't match up with what God's word says, you realize they're false prophets. Mm-hmm. That's why I try to tell people today, do I doubt that there are miracle workers today? No. Because the devil can give people limited power mm-hmm. and power greater than what you and I have by nature. And people go, wow, look what he did or she did or, or that statue is crying mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. look at that guy levitated or did this mm-hmm. or that or the other thing. But if their message doesn't match with scripture, then they're a false prophet. Second one is in Deuteronomy 18 verses 10, 11, 20, 21, 22. A false prophet is anybody who looks to someone else or something mm-hmm. else 
for wisdom or truth, like mm-hmm. witchcraft, like a seance, like a medium, like uh, consulting the dead. Right away, that should be red, red flags yeah. for everyone. And careful to our listeners, don't go, well, I'm just going to play with that. Yeah. Anytime you play with the occult, it's like juggling hand grenades. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. Right? yeah. Number three is Exodus 22, 18. Uh, Along that same vein, you know, the Bible condemns anybody who uses, it's interesting there, astrology as seeking a means of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people go, well, I know I'm a Sagittarius or I'm a Leo yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You know, don't play with that stuff. It mm-hmm. used to be in the newspapers back in my day when we had newspapers, <laughs> right? Uh, number four, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1, 2, and 3 talk about false prophets will encourage people actually to abandon the faith, walk mm-hmm. away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to the Bible. We're seeing that all over the place today, yeah. all over the place. Uh, they're just hypocritical liars. In fact, he says some of the things they'll tell you to do is they'll forbid people to marry. Oh, you're not allowed to marry if you do this. Mm-hmm. Or you can only eat certain foods and certain foods you have to abstain from. Mm-hmm. And, and then the fifth one is simply 1 John chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3 where anybody who doesn't, doesn't acknowledge that Jesus is the, the, not one, the son of God, mm-hmm. that person's a false prophet. So mm-hmm. I, I look at those five, I think they're very applicable today. We certainly yeah. see the first Timothy passage and the first John passage in a, in a world that has a number of people that are unaffiliated religiously, mm-hmm. where they say, just walk away from Jesus. Maybe look to someone else for your salvation or your your truth. Or mm-hmm. when they say, just look to your own truth, then we're, then it's a, you know, Pandora's yeah. box has been yeah. opened up. Well, and I think those, you know, we talk about them in the context of Nostradamus, but really you could use those for uh, Joseph Smith or L. Ron Hubbard, or you could use it for uh, Mary, David Mary Koresh. Baker or, uh, Mary Baker Eddy. Right. Uh, David Koresh, you could use it for... Or the Hale Bop Comet guy. Do you remember that? No. Where there was a guy... Marshall Applewhite. Marshall, Marshall Applewhite. Applewhite. Look at that. Anthony for the win. Anthony, Anthony coming <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> he gets the Jeopardy question, right? <laughs> I literally just listened to a podcast series about the Heaven's Gate group, so fresh in my mind. So. Hey, they had great tennis shoes. They all bought new tennis shoes before they went. Nike decade. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your cultural update by Anthony. For a lot of people, the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus can seem just as opaque as what you were talking about with Nostradamus. Uh, they're often surrounded by other passages that don't seem to have anything to do with Jesus. Their language feels can feel vague and hard to pinpoint. They don't seem to have only one possible fulfillment. What advice would you give to Jesus' follower who wants to learn more and better understand biblical prophecy? Well, first of all, I, I, can, I can't stress enough, we are people of the book. Mm-hmm. So as Jesus followers, make sure you're reading the book not just little portions, put together some kind of reading schedule. There's a lot out there on the internet. Sure. Um, the other thing I do is if you have a question and you want more in-depth study about the fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament and what God has in store for us when he comes again, ask your pastor. Your pastor likely has a lot of resources that can help you. Maybe you can even get a small group together and he gives you the materials that you need and maybe you can be that facilitator for that small group. The other thing is I would suggest you listen to this podcast and share it. There Might you go. not be a bad idea <laughs> as a resource, not the resource, but a resource. And finally, I suggest every household, whether you're the only one in it or you have, you know, four or five crumb crunchers and skulls full of mush running around, you should have a library. People have a library. I know everyone put like you, you and Anthony, everything's on your phones and everything's on your laptops and that's fine. But there comes a time when it's really nice to be able to have a book you can take a look at as well. I know sure. you can send stuff to people on your 
and the internet. I, I get that. But the books I recommend, the books I found in my ministry most helpful and that I've shared with others, here's just a few of them. There's one, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I think the, the newest part is, uh, the newest version is out. It used to be volumes one and two, and now they yep. just put it into yep. one big volume. He's got a great section on there with over 300 prophecies where, there, where you find them in the Old Testament and where exactly they're fulfilled in Jesus' life. I think that's very helpful because when people ask you, hey, can you give me an example or mm-hmm, two, mm-hmm. it's nice for you to be able to go back to that resource mm-hmm. and do that. There's also um, Cold Case Christianity. That's what the book's called, Cold Case Christianity by J, that's just J period, Warner Wallace. He's a, a former LA uh, homicide detective, be- was an atheist, became a Christian goes through this kind of subject as well, the mm-hmm. Bible believable, mm-hmm. and points to the prophecies. Also found it very helpful in all areas, but even in the area of, okay, what about the prophecies in the Old Testament fulfilled by Jesus? And then one that I've given away a bunch of times, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That's actually the title of the book. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Norm Geisler, uh, G-E-I-S-L-E-R, and Frank Turek, T-U-R-E-K. Does a really nice job. Frank really writes from a vantage point of he often debates on college campuses, which today for a Christian are hostile environments for yeah, the most part, yeah. and is able to ask answer people's good questions that they ask with detail. Take a look for yourself. Mm-hmm, so those mm-hmm. are just three that I would uh, recommend that you take a look at. But I mean, start by asking your pastor, yeah. doing your own reading. But then if you want more in-depth, those three sources would be helpful. There are many others, too. I know Robbie Zacharias, yeah. and you got William Lane Craig. They talk yeah. about those things, and Greg Cockle does. So you got you got a number of people that you can really uh, hone in on. Yeah, and we'll make sure we have a link to those books in the, in the show notes here so that uh, folks can get to those really easily. But um, they're really, especially in the area of prophecy, I know uh, both evidence that demands a verdict and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I haven't read Cold Case Christianity. But I think they have a. They each have a chapter, like you can reference. Right Absolutely, to that with Cold Case Christianity, it also has uh, a, a leader's guide, so you can use okay. that for your small group. It's yeah. really well done, and they also have um, a children's curriculum. Okay, because I really think, and we've talked about this previously, yeah. that we start, we have to start teaching the younger generations, the ones even in grade school, middle school, right now, yeah. how to know the faith, how to defend the faith, how to share the faith. Again, we just share God's word. What God does with it after that. That's up to him. But mm-hmm. he's called us to share it and be prepared to give a defense when people maybe are critical or are truly skeptical mm-hmm. or are just searching. Mm-hmm. Let's be there. Let's be ready. Let's equip our kids so they can be the next generation of ambassadors. Yeah. So those are some books that can help. Yeah, and they're going to be facing that for sure. Oh, the absolutely. Attacks of the prophecy, attacks of who Jesus is. Um, and in, the whole point is to erode their faith that Jesus is the Savior from all sin and that the, the heaven, gates of heaven are open because Jesus opened them for them. Of course, Satan's going to try and do everything he can to tear down that that hope and that faith. Thanks again for listening in and joining us. Our next episode is on decision-making. Uh, we'd love to hear your inputs, uh, your thoughts, and uh, maybe some of the decisions you're facing. Share with us a big decision uh, that you're going through right now and get it on Winfrey Reigns. Record yourself outlining your decision in 60 seconds or less and email it to us at info at com. And we might just use it as a case study for our podcast. We'd love to be able to talk through the process of decision-making as a Jesus follower with big decisions. Looking forward to that conversation, but I hope for now that our time together today talking about prophecy and Nostradamus and who Jesus is and the prophecy about him has helped you make room in your life for the fear of God to reign. 
Thank you for joining us this week on When Fear Reigns. This summer, you'll be able to see us at the Bread for Beggars Festival in Fond du Lac and at Life Fest in Oshkosh. We'll have more info about those events coming soon. 